Welcome back to a special edition of the No Further Comments podcast, a.k.a. the NFC. I'm your host, Alex Meacham. Now, usually, I have my co-host, Glenn Riley, here to my left. In front and center is our producer, Mario Doremus. But today, we're going to take a different direction. We have a special edition of the NFC podcast, which will be called the Basketball Insider Podcast. Now, what we'll be doing with this one is I'll be talking about college hoops, high school hoops here in the Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky area, and also dive into the polarizing NBA. Now, we will be back with a new edition of the NFC podcast next week, the week of January 15th. But I do have somebody here with me today. I'm not going to be alone. I have our intern, Will Sultan, who is a senior at Anderson High School and one of the better tennis players in the area. Is that fair enough, Will? Yeah, that's fair. That's good. Okay. How's tennis going? It's going well. Still got some visits left. Going to hopefully figure out by April what now, I'm doing. Now, you're going to day, uh, let's see, Creighton tomorrow Tomorrow. Yeah, to look to at school? Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're playing, McDermott, McBuckets. McDermott, they're playing Butler when I'm there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You going to try to check that out? Hopefully, if I can find a way to get there, okay. I'll now, find a way. Now, explain this to me. So, so the world of tennis, high school tennis, tennis is just crazy in general in regards to other sports. Like, you look at basketball, football, there, there's just kind of a, an order in which it happens for you to be ranked in those different sports. With tennis, it just seems like it's all over the board. Like, you got high school kids that don't play high school tennis. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're playing you know, internationally and all this stuff. Now, how do you fall in all that? There's a million different rankings, but after like a few years in like tournaments, you can separate yourself pretty easily from those, the, like the not that good of players. Yep. Like the high school level isn't good. Usually if you have a chance of playing college, you're going to be the best one by far at your high school, unless there's a couple kids. Okay. So I've separated myself, but now I'm trying to separate myself again to play at a good college. There's like the rankings go on and on because there's Midwest, Ohio, uh, the country, worldwide. But then there's one system that puts everybody on one ranking scale. Everybody that has ever played in a tournament in the world is called, called UTR, Universal Tennis Rating. Everybody's in the same ranking. Are you ranked everybody on Everybody in the world, yeah. You're what are, you, a, are you ranked in the world? Well, everybody is. You're on a scale of one to What are you 16. ranked in the world? No, it's not like that. It's a number. One, oh, what's one, your number? 10. You're 10? There's, it's 1 through 16. Six, and, you're, and you're 10 of that? 16. 16 is like Federer, Djokovic, Murray, all them. Say some of the like guys that play like Division One of Ohio State are like probably 14 to 15. And then like lower end Division One might be around like 10 through 13. Okay. All right, that's that's too too complicated that's a lot. for me. I'm, a ton of I'm, yeah, I'm too dumb for all that. But let's get to a world that I know a lot about, and we're gonna talk college hoops, NCAA. Now, Will, you did some research for me before we started here, and we looked at uh, the rankings right now as we talked about tennis rankings. Let's talk about college basketball rankings of some local and regional teams. Let's start off with the Cincinnati Bearcats. What's their record, and what are they ranked in the country right now? You see. 14 and 2 and they're 14 in the country right now. Okay. And they've won their last 5 games in a row. Okay. All right. Xavier. Xavier is 15 and 2. They're 4 and 1 in the last 5 games. They're ranked 10, but they just lost to Providence and dropped four spots, five spots in the rankings. Okay. At Providence, it's always a tough yeah. place to play. UK. 
UK is 12 and three, and they're ranked 21 right now. Okay. UK always is dangerous come March. They have a yeah. lot of young talent, but you always have to be worried when that young talent starts to figure it out. Okay. Both, let's say you've got UC, Xavier, and UK. I think all three teams have a very good chance come March of making a deep run. Let's talk about uh, two other regional teams here, Indiana. Indiana is 9-7. They're not ranked, and they've lost to Fort Wayne two years in a row. Jeez. <laughs> That's not good when you have an in-state team that not usually the recruits yeah. want to go to IU, and yeah. the, if they can't go to IU, they go to? Fort Wayne. Yeah. They also lost to Indiana State. Or Indiana another, State. Another school like that. Yeah. But you know what? Archie Miller is now the head coach of yeah. IU, and he used to be at Dayton. Yeah. He'll get that ship sailing in the right direction, yeah. and IU will definitely be tough to beat. UD. UD's Dayton. been struggling. They're 7-8, and eight, not ranked out also. Okay. They'll be fine. Anthony Grant has uh, come over as the head coach of uh, UD. Now, Anthony Grant has had a very interesting journey. He started... Let's see, not long ago with the University of Florida, he was an assistant there with Billy Donovan. Um, he went on to Alabama. He was, before he went to UD, he was coaching with Oklahoma City with the Thunder, uh, Russell Westbrook and crew with Billy Donovan. He followed Billy Donovan there. And now he's at the University of Dayton where he played at. And I think he'll do a good job there because in college basketball, it's all about recruiting, and you've got to find the recruits in your area. There's a lot of talent in the Dayton area, and he's a very, very good recruiter. And I tell you what, there's one thing I want to say about the University of Dayton's fan base. They have some of the best fans in college basketball. If you ever get a chance to go to a UD game, I don't care if they're playing Duke or they're playing uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. They always have a packed house, and that group of fans are really into the game and cheering for their Dayton Flyers. Now, here's what I want to do. We talked a little bit about that. I want to talk about the top five teams in the country right now. There's a little bit of a shakeup in the top five. Michigan State was number one yep. prior to this weekend, and but something happened on Sunday. They lost to the Buckeyes. Buckeyes killed them. Yep. Killed by them. 16. 16 points, yeah. How about that? And, that and my former teammate. At, at the University of Cincinnati, Jermaine Tate, his son, is one of the best players on Ohio State. Jalen Tate, but go ahead. And now Villanova snuck back to number one. They were number one earlier this year. Okay. Yeah. Who do we have at two? West Virginia. Press Virginia with my guy, my guy Hugs. Now, they creeped up to number two because they beat Oklahoma. Have you seen this kid Trey Young play yet? Oh, I've seen him. He's incredible. He's incredible. He's better than Curry. But I tell you what, I don't know if he's better than Curry, <laughs> no, but next, hey, next he, Curry. he passes the, the basketball yeah. probably better than Curry. Yeah. And so one of the things I will say about Bob Huggins, the Bob Huggins coach team, and having the privilege and honor to play for a great coach like Bob Huggins, they are always, a Bob Huggins team is always prepared to play against a star player. And what I mean by that is when I was in college, we played Marquette. And there was a superstar, a budding superstar at Marquette by the name of? I know it. Come uh, on, Will. I know you're young. How old are you? 18. 18. You should know this guy. Uh, He's with the Cavs now. Uh, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. Yep. Dwayne Wade played at Marquette. And I tell you, Dwayne Wade is the best college player that I ever played against or was a part of playing against. Dwayne Wade was hands down the best. He was very tough to guard, one of the leading scorers in the country um, while he played. And 
Hud's always had a good scheme set up to play against guys like Dwayne Wade, Lamar Odom, Catino Mobley. These are guys that played in the NBA that, that played at Rhode Island. And he always had a good scheme and, and was able to hold these guys to a lower number than what they usually um, average. So there's no surprise that they were able to contain Trey Young to an extent. Didn't stop him. He still had a lot of points. I think he might have had like 29, yeah. but it wasn't his normal yeah. type of uh, 29, and West Virginia escaped with the win. So who else do we have there? Yeah, Virginia at three, and then Michigan State dropping to four, and then Purdue at five. Purdue? How about that? You know, I watched Purdue earlier in the year. I believe they played Arizona, and I'm a big Arizona fan. I love Sean Miller, and they have a tremendous amount of talent just – Sean Miller has not been able to get these guys to play according to his system and, and play the Sean Miller brand of basketball, but Purdue beat them. And I said, man, this Purdue team has <coughs> some serious talent. So that's no surprise they've been able to uh, creep up. But there's been so many shakeups in college basketball. You look at early in the season, a lot of these teams that people consider the blue bloods of the NCAA, you know, you look at North Carolina, you know, your Michigan State's Duke. I mean, they've lost some, some key games. I think Duke just lost the other night. Uh, Florida. Florida started off hot. I mean, Florida was – I mean, they were shooting threes at such a high clip, and they really cooled off. They're not even ranked anymore. Who, Florida? Yeah. Uh, they won the other night. They, uh, they snuck by on a, uh, an amazing win. I don't know if you saw that game. <clears throat> but Florida won. They beat Missouri. They – the game was, I believe it was tied with time running out, okay? I'm talking about like nine seconds left. Yeah. And Missouri called a timeout, set up a play. And as they were getting into their set, their half-court set, to score a game-winning bucket, they're throwing a pass from the wing to the top, and one of the guards for Florida, what they call Cheese, Cheese stole the pass, and goes all the way down for an uncontested yep. layup. There wasn't even anybody even, saw that. even close. Then, then they threw it in. The guy missed the, yep. the shot from the, the – that, that was I've, – I've not seen that happen, a team win so easily. I mean, this guy just ran through and stole the ball. It was, it was, it was pretty fun to watch, me being a, uh, a Gators fan. But that's the kind of the rundown of the top five. I'm tell you what, that's going to change. That'll change by next week. Oh, yeah. And, and by March, we might see a totally different top ten. But what I want to talk about, what I want to dive into and get some of my notes up here, I want to talk about my Cincinnati Bearcats. All right? And I want to talk about the Bearcats. And college basketball is so interesting in that you have to break down a college basketball schedule into many seasons so you're looking at a complete season yeah but you're breaking it down into many seasons will yeah and as a fan it's hard for fans to understand how many seasons works for for example uc started off the season here and they started off hot okay first three games they're averaging close to about 101 points a game Fans' expectations through the roof. This, this team can score like no other team Mick Cronin's ever had. Um, they go on the road. They play in a tournament out of town. Their point production drops down to around the 70s. And then what happens, they go play Xavier. 
And Xavier exposed them in a lot of ways offensively. And, and it was early in the season. They played Xavier on December 2nd, so there were a lot of things that they hadn't really um, got implemented into what they're trying to do. And what happens is they lose to Xavier, and then they turn around and they play Florida in New Jersey. And they lose to Florida by six. And at the time, Florida was number five in the country or whatever they were at the time. And now the fan base is starting to jump off the ship, right? You lose two games back-to-back, -back, and you lose them in the Xavier. They got just <coughs> beat from the beginning to the end. And in the Florida, it was kind of like they lost it at the end. So very two disappointing losses. But when you look at a college basketball schedule and you lose two games like that, it's still early. It's, it's early part of December. That's a mini season right there. Yeah. And you've got to get from the beginning of the season to Christmas break. All right. And then after Christmas break, you start a new type of season. Now, what was big for the Bearcats, Will, was after they lose to Florida, so they lose two in a row, they play a home game against Mississippi State, an unranked Mississippi State team. But I think a tough Mississippi State team <coughs> that will eventually, I think, uh, do decently well in the SEC. And they, they beat Mississippi State 65-50. So they start to get their, their swag back. And then they go play at UCLA. Now, the game at UCLA, we're going to look back. I think, in my opinion, we're going to look back on this Cincinnati Bearcat 2017-2018 team. We're going to look back at these two wins, one at Mississippi State and the other one at UCLA, as a big turnaround for the Bearcats. Because if the Bearcats lose to Xavier, lose to Florida, and then lose or play a close game with Mississippi State and then lose to UCLA, Fans are jumping off the boat. The kids are losing their confidence and not trusting the system. But instead, Coach Cronin and the staff, they get, the, they get these kids focused. They beat Mississippi State. They go and handily beat UCLA in L.A. And I was there for that game. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what. I was there for that game. And kudos to all the Cincinnati Bearcat fans that made the trip out there to Los Angeles. There were about 500 to 600 Bearcat fans um, at the arena were cheering loud for the Bearcats. And there was a point, Will, during the game that the Bearcat fan base started chanting for the Bearcats. And it was so loud in there, pro Bearcats, that UCLA fans were like looking around like, dude, is this a Bearcat home game? Like. <laughs> I'm sitting close to UCLA yeah. fans, and they're like, what, what's going on? Do you guys always roll like this? Yeah. And I'm like, well, this, this was a big game for us. So uh, that was a big win. So that kind of changed the momentum for the Bearcats. And then, you know, the Bearcats go on and <clears throat> win um, four or five games from that point on. Didn't play a great game against Temple. Uh, the Temple game was an interesting game because you go on the road, you're playing Temple who's – Gosh, they might be last in the league. I don't know if they've won a league game yet. But you're playing on a Thursday night. It's cold. It's not only – it's cold in Cincinnati. It's cold. You're playing inside. It doesn't matter. And I'll <laughs> tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because these guys, these players have to travel. So you're going from Cincinnati to Philly. Yeah. And they had a snowstorm in Philly. And guys, number one, you have guys that are injured. So you've got Kane Broom, who's their – and I'm going to talk about Kane a little bit here, but he's their, their point guard that really pushes the pace. Um, he had an Achilles issue and some ankle things. He's out. He's hurt. 
you got some kids that are battling, battling some sickness because of the cold weather and, and all that stuff. But just traveling in the cold weather when it's zero degrees, it's minus seven in Cincinnati, it's probably the same in Philly. That sucks, dude. It's a big difference traveling from Cincinnati to Philly in the cold between going Cincinnati to L.A. When they played in L.A., it was 80 degrees outside. That's a big, that's a big difference. Just, just got to deal with it. You got to deal with it, but it, it does wear on 19, 20, 21-year-old kids who are on the grind taking yeah. exams and all this stuff. But the key is they went there, didn't play well at all, and they left – a 55-53 winner on a buzzer beater shot by Jacob Evans. And Jacob, talk about Jacob Evans a little bit. The thing with Jacob Evans is, in my opinion, Jacob Evans has to be the leading scorer on this basketball team and the most aggressive guy on the basketball team on the offensive end, game in and game out. Now, will he be the leading scorer every game? Probably not, but he's got to have the mentality to be the leading scorer and he's got to be aggressive like last night's game when they played SMU he was aggressive he was attacking he was pulling up for the mid-ranger that that type of uh, mentality has to be shown every game now there are going to be games when Gary Clark is the leading scorer and I'm wearing the, the Gary Clark is a problem t-shirt yeah yeah and, and, and there are games where Gary Clark will be your leading scorer and that's fine but Jacob has to set the tone of all the all the players on the team I think Talent, ability-wise, Jacob is the one that has the most NBA potential. Gary Clark has a certain skill set that could fit in the NBA, but Jacob has more of the NBA type of potential and talent. So they go, they, they beat Temple, like I said, last night. Uh, they, they play one of the best games of the year. Uh, beat SMU 76-56. They beat them by 20. They, uh, from the tip all the way to the buzzer, uh, they played well defensively. Uh, the pace of the game was a lot better. I want to talk a little bit about the pace of the game. One of the keys for the Bearcats this year is the pace in which they play. And here's what I mean by that. And when people think of pace, they think offensively. But pace can also be defensively how you play, picking up full court. Now, when you pick up full court, that speeds up the game. By the time the other team, like SMU last night, by the time they tried to beat the press and get it over the, the, the court, they're setting up. There's only 20 seconds on the shot clock. And then they're scrambling, they're kind of moving around, and we might get a steal, push it down. That picks up the pace of the game, and I think that's a style that we have to play defensively. Now, offensively, Cain uh, Broom, who I talked about earlier, he has been hurt the last two games. He played last night. I think he played 12, 15, 15 minutes, something like that. I don't have the stats in front of me. But when, when he played last night, you could see the energy and the pace of the game picking up. And that's something that the Bearcats need come March if they plan to be successful because they have the pieces to be a fast-paced, exciting basketball team in March. So when Kane's pushing the basketball, he's playing at a fast pace that gets Jaron Cumberland involved. And Jaron Cumberland has been struggling of late. I thought he really picked up things last night. He's starting to get out of his slump, but he's been struggling. You got to quit coughing, dude. You got I know. Like a, you, I got some sick going on. It's that cold weather, I'm telling you. I drink some water. Yeah, you need something, man. Get you a cough drop. So Jaron Cumberland has been struggling 
Um, but like I said, he's, he's slowly getting out of that. And one of the keys for him, I think, is when, when the Bearcats were playing at a faster pace, and like I said, in the first three games, they're averaging over 101 points a game. He was the leading scorer because he's getting the ball, he's getting in transition, he's attacking the basket. And everybody knows he's probably the best at attacking the basket in transition. Now, occasionally, you know, Bearcat fans get frustrated with him when he gets called for the, the charges because he's attacking the basket so aggressively. And sometimes he needs to stop and pull up and hit the mid-ranger. But one of the things that's great for Jaron is if he can attack the basket in transition, get an and one or get a foul called, he can go to the free throw line, make a couple free throws. I think last night he might have been four for four from the free throw line, but gets to the free throw line. And that kind of gets your momentum and everything going when you can make some free throws. That then helps you when you're shooting a jump shot, <laughs> you feel some confidence. You know, uh, the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball, Michael Jordan. We know that, right? You, oh, don't, you don't argue that. You're not, not one of those LeBron kids, are I'm you? I'm not arguing. Okay, it. good. So, uh, Michael Jordan used to do this thing where um, early on in the games, his goal was to get to the free throw line. Not try to shoot and make tough shots to start the game, yeah. but to more so get, get to the free throw line off of easy attempts, being physical, and making some free throws and building his confidence yeah. early, yeah. right? That makes so, sense. And, and that's what he did you know, throughout his entire career. Now, in Jaron, in part, that's kind of a little bit of his philosophy that if he gets to the free throw line, is attacking, he can kind of get that momentum going and he can knock down uh, his jump shot. So, but what happens when you've got a guy like Kane Broom pushing the pace, that helps out a guy like Jaron Cumberland to attack aggressively in transition, get to the free throw line, and get his momentum going. Because the Bearcats flat out need Cumberland to knock down open shots, three-pointers, because this Bearcat team has not proven that it can consistently knock down the three-point shot. Yeah. We're going to need that in March. We've struggled in the past with that. Our bench guys, uh, Keith Williams um, and Moore, Moore, has, Moore comes in as a great shooter, but he's not proven he's consistently a great shooter yet. So we're going to need more of the veteran guys like Cumberland and knock those down. Um, but back to Kane Broom, as Kane Broom pushes the basketball, I think it also helps a guy like Gary Clark, who does a great job running the floor. Now, Gary Clark is a problem in the post, and usually when you think about uh, a player in the post, that's off of a more a slow-down half-court type of situation. But when you're pushing the ball in transition here, you know, Gary Clark does a great job of running the floor, getting to the block, and also rebounding the ball offensively. Like, if Kane's pushing the basketball, he kicks to Jaron, Jaron shoots it, and Gary's in position to get that rebound, boom, he's back up, easy buckets. He works that hard. He's got a good understanding of where he needs to rebound, um, kind of like a Dennis Rodman was. Dennis Rodman always knew where the missed shots would go. <clears throat> and also playing at a fast pace helps out. Somebody I think that's been a little bit of a, an enigma this year, and that's been Kyle Washington. Kyle Washington, some games looks great, other games you're like, who is that dude? Without Kyle Washington against Temple, Bearcats lose to Temple. Um, last night, I thought he played better against SMU, um, but a fast-paced game helps Washington out more. He's not, not going to out-tough you. So if you're in a half-court set and you're trying to throw the ball in the post to Kyle Washington, he's not going to out-tough you down there. So he's better 
in transition, kind of catching the ball, hitting that little 15-footer, that little baseline Chris Bosch type of shot, or throwing up that crazy jump hook that he does. But he needs a little bit of a speed to his game to make that happen. <clears throat> so my point being, the Bearcats need Kane Broom, I think, to be successful not only the rest of the year, but also come March and playing at a fast pace. And what a great opportunity. As I talk about many seasons, you talk about a mini season right now, January is a mini season for a lot of college basketball teams and specifically the Bearcats. So, so far in January, they've, got, they've had two games, uh, Temple and SMU, both of them they won. Now they go on, they play at South Florida, at UCF, they play East Carolina at home, Temple again at home, and then they play Memphis and then Houston. All capable, capable games that they can win. UCF looks like it's going to be a tough one at UCF because historically we've struggled a little bit down there, but that could be a, <clears throat> a game we could win. So if, if the Bearcats can get through the month of January, two things, healthy will and also undefeated. That's going to give them a lot of confidence going into February, and the February stretch is going to be tough. Games like at Connecticut in February. You play Wichita State at home. You go at SMU, at Houston, all places that I don't care where SMU or Houston are ranked. You go at an opponent's gym in February on a Thursday night. It's always tough. It's just college basketball. So January is going to be um, a great month. One more thing I want to talk about with the Bearcats here, and that is bench production. Um, you know, guys like Trey Scott come off the bench, uh, Keith Williams, uh, Nasir Brooks. Um, you've got more. It's one thing for them to play minutes, and it's another thing for them to be productive with their minutes. And that's what I would like to see more from our bench is guys not just getting minutes to just fill minutes, but to be productive with the minutes that they do get. So a Trey Scott, last night Trey had a monster dunk, Will. He took off on the baseline and he dunked on this dude, kind of like something you would do, right? Yeah, for sure. Can you jump at all? I can jump. Everyone can jump. I mean, can you like, no, 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 let me rephrase it. Can you jump? I can touch a rim. Can you really? How tall are you? Uh, six feet. You're about six feet? Six feet. I thought you were taller than that. Uh, it's only here. You can only hear it. I'm 5'8". Okay. All right. <laughs> no. All right. All right. All right. I'm 6'1". Six, I'm six, one. Six, one. Well, Trey Scott took off on the baseline, had a monster dunk, um, and I think that's, that's something that will help out his confidence. He's a high-energy guy, and if we can get some more minutes out of Trey Scott, just from a standpoint of coming in, picking up the energy when maybe the energy's down, getting rebounds, getting defensive stops, if he does those type of things, he's going to be a huge, huge boost off the bench. Now, I've been screaming for Keith Williams to get a little bit more time. So when you have a team like SMU or potentially when we go to at, at South Florida, games like that, if we can get Keith Williams in more and get him more acclimated into the offense and what we're doing, He's strong. He's got a little bit of a, of a swag to him. I think he's from, I think he might be from like Brooklyn, New York or something, but he's got this swag to him. I like to see him get some more minutes, but to Mick Cronin's, you know, credit, he's got a tough job where you've got some seasoned veteran guys and you're trying to get all them the time and minutes they need, but yet trying to get some freshmen in. That's a tough gig. That's a tough thing to do. 
But I'd like to see Keith Williams get some more minutes. I'd like to see Moore get going, knocking down some shots. I think he's just been too inconsistent all year. And I've kind of been a little bit disappointed with him um, as a shooter. It seems like he's always off balance when he shoots the basketball. If you watch him, just watch his legs and watch the twist in his hips when he shoots the basketball. He might need to spend the offseason trying to square himself up a little bit better. I don't know if he went through maybe a leg injury at some point that, that caused that change in his stance on his shot, but he needs to work on fixing that for the college level. You might be able to get away with it in high school, but as we all know, college is faster and stronger, and you can't do the same things you did in high school and be successful in college all the time. You've got to work on it, and that's the great thing about off-seasons. <clears throat> so, um, in short, in January, if the Bearcats can leave out healthy, came Broom, stay healthy, and everybody else, um, I think uh, Jacob Evans might be battling a little bit of uh, injury, but I think he's fine. Um, stay healthy and, and leave out January undefeated, uh, giving these guys confidence, get the bench guys acclimated, and continue to work on pushing the pace. Um, I look for our Bearcats to, I say our Bearcats because I'm making you a Bearcat fan. Um, I, I see them making a, a, a big run come, come March. Now, have you been to a Bearcats game this year? I've been well, to one game. Did you go with me? Yeah, I went to the game. They uh, played that like technical team from Florida or something. Technical team? Like aeronautical. What was it? They killed them by like 60. Uh, yeah. Aeronautical? Something like weird name. Did I take you to an exhibition game or That's something? That's what it was. Yeah. It was exhibition. They I, can't, I can't even remember. Some NAI team. Yeah. NAI. Yeah. I do, I do remember what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We did go that game. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, I want to jump into something that I'm definitely very passionate about, and that's local high school basketball. And don't get me wrong. I love my college basketball. But, man, I love high school basketball here in the Cincinnati and northern Kentucky area. And what I want to do first is I want to jump into the polls. Top 10 rankings in northern Kentucky. Then I want to jump into the top 10 rankings in Ohio, Cincinnati area specifically, southwest Ohio. Broken down into division, divisions 1, 2, 3, and 4. So looking at uh, northern Kentucky, and we are in week 6 of high school basketball. Now high school basketball goes by so quickly and I think a large part of that is uh, the Christmas break, New Year's and all that stuff. You have kind of a little bit of a, of a break there but it goes by very quickly and we're six weeks, in, six weeks into it and a lot's been defined already in these in these six weeks so looking at northern kentucky and will i don't know you know you're i a, know nothing about northern kentucky high you, school basketball well you about to learn you're gonna <laughs> learn something today the number one team in northern kentucky are the cooper jaguars uh cooper um, is led by a kid named adam kunkel who's a belmont commit he's going to play basketball at belmont and if anybody in this area plays like russell westbrook it is Adam Kunkel. This kid plays with a reckless abandon. He attacks the basket. Uh, he dunked on a kid named Andrew Brockstroman. I hate to call Andrew out like this, but he dunked on a kid from Elder High School named Andrew Brockstroman in transition. It's been the nastiest dunk. It should have made Sports Center, but it has been the nastiest dunk thus far of the high school basketball season. Adam Kunkel is a, is a phenomenal player to watch, and he's the type of kid <clears throat> that can single-handedly lead a basketball team to a state championship run. If he gets hot, uh, last year there was a kid named Jake Omer who played for Scott. And Jake Omer had a fantastic 
regular high school season, but they got to the state tournament for Kentucky, and he led Scott all the way. A very average, no offense to the other kids on Scott, but they were an average basketball team. And this kid single-handedly led them to the championship game in the Kentucky State Tournament. And he just got on, he got on fire. And, and Adam Kunkel has that same type of ability. Uh, number two in Northern Kentucky is Cuffcalf. Uh, Cuffcalf. You know, it's between Cooper and Cuffcalf um, last couple years and specifically this year. Cooper beat Cuffcalf earlier in the year in a tournament. I think Cuffcalf was a little bit banged up, and um, but I think they play this Friday. Uh, they play each other, so I think it's at Cuffcalf. So that's going to be a big game. But Cuffcalf is led by three guys in particular, all college basketball commits. Aiden Rusat's one. Aiden will be taking his talents down to uh, Christian Brothers in Memphis. Um, he's uh, the point guard for the team. He's the heart and soul of this team. He's, he plays fast, can shoot the three, pull up for the mid-ranger. <clears throat> and what's interesting about Aiden is he's five foot, I don't know, maybe five foot eight on a good day, and the kid can dunk. <coughs> he can really get up. He's pretty fun to watch. Uh, the other player, which is their, their normal leading scorer, that's C.J. Frederick. C.J. is committed to play basketball at Iowa. And C.J. is one of the better scorers in the northern Kentucky area for sure. And then the third piece of this three-headed monster for Cuffcath is Jake Walters. And Jake is the son of former Bengals player. Um, and you're, you're too young for this. Joe Walters. Joe. Yep, he's on a lot of commercials here locally on TV. I feel TV. like I've seen the name. Or you something. probably have. He does some commercials for a, uh, I think, Goodwill. Uh, but and, and Joe's a, a, a very big human being, and he, he, Joe's so big it looks like the shirts he's wearing are just not comfortable for him. <laughs> like he could be in a t-shirt, a button-up, anything, and you're like that. That just doesn't look very comfortable right now. He's just a big dude. Now his son is big. You know, he's like gonna be like seven. He's headed to Xavier. Oh, wow. Yep. <clears throat> so that's the three-headed monster for Cuffcath. Now, and you think the Cooper team can beat this team? Cooper already beat them earlier in the year. But what happened Were these was guys playing? Cuffcath was a little banged up. I, the three of these guys that I just named were playing. I think some of their other guys off the bench weren't. Um, I think Cuffcath was, had played a lot. Of, there was a lot of things. I don't want to make excuses for Cuffcath. I'm not like pro-Cuffcath or anything, but I don't think – that game in particular is a, is, an, is a great sample for the two teams. I think Friday will be when they play oh, yeah. Friday. Um, I, I, although it's at Cuffcath, which at Cuffcath is one of the toughest places to play in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. I don't care where you are. In the state of Kentucky. Uh, the Cuffcath student section is unbelievable. Like, I, I feel like they practice or something, the student section. They, they must have practice. They've got these, they've got these chants down. They, they've got everything down. That is a tough place to play. It's, it's, it's not a big gym. It's, it's a cozy gym and definitely an advantage for, for Cubcats. So it's going to be interesting to see who wins that game on Friday and then moving forward if Cooper can win at home, their home, versus Cubcats. Uh, moving on, Campbell County's number three, which surprised me a little bit. Campbell County lost a lot of players. Campbell County was really fun to watch last year, and they lost uh, you know, some of their uh, most important players, some of their most important scores, but they've managed to have a good season thus far. At number four is Newport, head coach Rod Snap, good friend of mine, great dude. He has one of the most talented teams he's ever had, led by uh, Mikel Burris, who's going to Pikeville. And this kid is uh, he's phenomenal to watch. He's a left-hander. <coughs> 
Uh, he can get it done from the outside, put it on the floor one time. She's real silky smooth. So uh, Newport's a team to watch just because, <clears throat> purely because of their talent. Uh, and number five is Scott High School. Number six, uh, Newport Catholic, who historically Newport Catholic, NCC is always a formidable team. Uh, Simon Kenton is number seven. They've had a good year thus far, um, had some real quality wins. Uh, number eight is Boone County. Uh, number nine is Walton Verona. And Walton Verona is a team to watch. They have a kid who's about, <clears throat> I might be being generous, he's about five foot six. And he is absolutely phenomenal to watch. Just, uh, I want to say, Tuesday night, he scored his 2,000th high school career point. Um, and he comes from just one of the great, great families. Just an excellent kid, excellent family. I'm so excited that that kid, Brennan Stanley, is, is his senior? name. Brennan Stanley is a senior. He hasn't committed anywhere for college yet for basketball. But um, hopefully there's a basketball program out there that takes a chance on him because he's a kid that, Three years from now, schools, colleges are going to be like, why didn't we take this kid? He's one of those kids. Um, and then, to finish it out, Holmes High School is at number 10. That rounds out Kentucky basketball. You learned a little bit about Kentucky hoops? I did learn a little bit. I want to go to the game Friday now. It's a big one. Good yeah. luck getting tickets. That place, is, uh, that place is packed in, brother. All right. Now, you might know a little bit about this, Will. We're going to talk about Ohio, Southwest Ohio basketball specifically. We're going to look at Division One. All right. The number one team in Division One basketball. Moeller? Nope. Couldn't tell you then. Princeton. 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 So, uh, new head coach, Steve Wright. And Steve Wright is a... Um, he, he, he does a great job um, with this Princeton team. Um, there's one thing, I don't know Steve Wright very well, um, but just from the, some of the things that I've seen and heard, he's really, really dedicated to the, these kids and not only their development on the basketball court, but also off the court. Princeton is led by the Syracuse commit, Darius Baisley, who is arguably not only the best player in the Cincinnati area, but one of the best players in the state of Ohio. Uh, you talk about a kid <clears throat> in Darius Baisley who has pro potential. So I know some people saw him last year and said he doesn't have a type of motor to be a high-level Division I guy. He doesn't have the motor to play at the next level for the NBA. But during this offseason, AU and workouts, the kid has improved a tremendous amount. So if you take that and you put him at a school like Syracuse with their weight program, nutrition, their, their high-level coaching, this kid has no choice. So you either buy in and get better or you walk out that door. And if this kid buys in and sticks to that, he for sure has pro potential. So they also have some very, very good players beside Darius Baisley. They have uh, Darwishi Hunter. Darwishi, obviously the best name in, in Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, easily. He's a, this kid transferred in. I believe he's originally from um, Arizona. I want to say he's from like maybe Phoenix. But he, he moved in here a couple years ago. And uh, Darwishi can, can score the basketball. He absolutely scored the basketball. Gabe O'Neal, one of the big guys down low. Uh, lefty, he's, he's, I call him Big Smooth. He's a big guy, but he's smooth. Uh, great kid, by the way. 
So that puts Princeton at top. They're number one. Number two is Moeller, who a lot of people think is one of the uh, preseason number one. So that's probably where you're getting that from. And um, a lot of people think they have the most talent <coughs> in the Cincinnati area. And um, in a lot of ways they do. But, but well, the one thing that's hurt Moeller in some regards is um, the injury to Miles McBride, who's their point guard. Miles got hurt during the football season. I, actually, I was at the game. Uh, that they got that he got hurt and so I believe he's pretty much out for the season if he does come back it won't be until late and I'm not sure how effective he'll be at that point if you come back that late in the season but Miles McBride really changes the complexion of, of Moeller's team he gives them athleticism he gives them a lot more speed um, he becomes another offensive threat now trust me Moeller's got plenty of talent one of them um, one of the kids names is uh, Jackson Hayes I don't know if you heard about Jackson Hayes, but he's headed to Texas. He's going to play basketball at Texas. And like Darius Baisley, um, people really weren't sure about Jackson Hayes because last year for Moeller, I think he might have averaged one point a game. I think he might have played nine minutes a game, if I'm not mistaken. Tremendous AU season. Kid's like 6'10 now. Uh, his mom and dad, uh, you can just, when you see his mom and dad, You'll go. His dad is the might be the linebacker or tight end coach for the Bengals, and his mom, I believe, played college basketball. I mean, they're they're great looking, a great looking family for for basketball. Like you, you see his mom and dad, and they're tall, and that's a, that's like a man. Whatever child they make is going to be a good basketball player, or if it's a female, a good female player, or volleyball, whatever it is. Tall family, and. Um, as a result, you have Jackson Hayes, uh, and the kid, matter of fact, Moeller played at Cuffcath, and I went to that game, and Jackson Hayes um, almost had a tip dunk. If he would have made this tip dunk, well, I would have left the gym. <laughs> he jumped from so far out, and there were two people in front of him for Cuffcath. It was nasty. Speaking of dunk, the other, the kid that I think is a, is, is, be, is becoming um, and I wasn't sure how he was going to play this year, but he's definitely exceeded expectations, and that is Jeremiah Davenport, who's headed to Wright State next year for Moeller. And he had a dunk versus Covcath. And Will, he dunked on this kid. I'm not even going to name the kid at Covcath because I felt so bad. He dunked on that kid. It was an and one. It was nasty. So Adam Kunkel from Cooper, his dunk, and Jeremiah Davenport's dunk this year were phenomenal. Uh, Moeller also has um, a lot of kids that come off the bench. Uh, Carlos Garcia, also a fine player uh, for Moeller. Uh, Sleepy Payton, uh, point guard. Plenty of players for Moeller to have a chance to, to win the state tournament, even without Miles McBride. <clears throat> so, uh, moving along, at number three, you've got Mason. Mason High School is a team, Will, where <clears throat> they're almost like Butler from a standpoint that you could put like anybody on Butler's team and it just seems like they find a way to win. Mason's the same way. It's just like every year they've got new kids, but they fit a system and they do that system perfectly to what that coach wants. Whatever coach Rich does to get them to buy in, he does an excellent job. Now, Mason just had a loss. They had a huge loss the other night to a GMC rival Oak Hills. And Oak Hills is the number four team in the city, right behind Mason. And Oak Hills is coached by Mike Price. 
and you've met Mike Price before. Yeah. Mike Price is um, is just an absolute gem in the Cincinnati area, in the state of Ohio. He is one of the best, not only best X and O coaches, but I think more importantly, you won't find another coach in this city, and this is no offense to any other coach, that has done more for young people than Mike Price, both on and off the court. I mean, the stories are just endless what this guy does. So there's no surprise that his teams do so well on the court because he does, he does so much for them off the court that they buy in to what he's doing. And Coach Price has these kids playing very well. I went to the game against LaSalle. They uh, beat LaSalle, and then they turn around and beat Mason. They're playing very well right now. Number five, Walnut Hills. Walnut Hills always is um, <coughs> at, you know, at the top. They always play well. Uh, Lakota East, they're number six. They have a ton of talent. Um, it's just going to be a matter of does, um, can Clint Nagel, the coach there at Lakota East, can he blend all that talent together uh, for that late run uh, for the state tournament? Now, at number seven, a team I just watched the other night is St. X. Now, St. X has struggled the last couple years. But I tell you what, St. X is a sleeper this year. St. X, when I watched him, I left there and said, if this team can consistently play this style of basketball, they have a chance to be a, a big-time sleeper in the tournament this year. Chase Wolf. Do you know who Chase Wolf is? Yeah. Quarterback? It, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard the name. Chase Wolf's the St. X quarterback. He's headed to Wisconsin, and he's playing basketball as well. He's a high-energy guy. He's played so well for them. I mean, this year, I, the game I went to, he threw some – no surprise – he threw some – some dimes. He yeah. was dropping some serious dimes, and him being a quarterback, that's I what he should do. I went to a St. X Anderson game early in the season. Okay. The for the football or basketball? Basketball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. St. X, it was close at half, like two points St. X was up, and they just ran with it in the second. <clears throat> and and that's, see, that's St. X's um, issue is can they get over the hump of, you know, just playing average? Can they play above average? And when I went to their game against Roger Bacon, my old school, they played above average. Had a, uh, I thought an excellent game. You know, Chase Wolf, Nathan Stockman is a kid on the wing. He's a, he's a great shooter. And if that kid can get hot, he really stretches the defense. And then Brandon Gilbert, who I called, I said he is one of the most sneaky athletic players in Cincinnati. He's got to be 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And the kid is athletic. He doesn't look like it. He looked like he's half sleep on the court. But I tell you what, when he's in transition, he's wide awake. He's got his eyes open, and he dunked on Roger Bacon in transition the other night. It was pretty nasty. Now, coming in at eight for Division One is LaSalle. LaSalle's down a little bit, new coach, uh, legendary coach, um, Coach Fleming. Uh, stepped down. He, he uh, decided to go and watch his son. His son, C.J. Fleming's playing at uh, Bellarmine. Um, his other son is coaching at Oak Hills High School, and he has a daughter playing. So he decided to take some time away and, and spend some time with his family. And uh, Coach Godey has taken over LaSalle's team. And they're in a little bit of a transition. Riley Hobner is the senior. Uh, he plays a little bit of guard, but more of a shooting guard. He's their best player, and, and, and he needs to be successful on the court for LaSalle to be successful. And coming in at number nine is Milford. Milford has had a, a very good season. You know, Milford's interesting because um, I don't know that this is the most talented Milford team ever, but I'm telling you what, they're playing well together. And they've won some games big. Like I went to their game against Turpin, and it, I think the score was like 
33 to zero going into mid, the midpoint of the second quarter. Milford was up. Milford was really moving the ball, and they've got a kid, uh, Jake, uh, I believe you say his last name is Ehlers. Um, he's just a sneaky man. This kid can just, he scores, he manages to make good plays. He doesn't look like he's going to do it, but he's, he is the engine that makes this team go. And then they've got some shooters, and then when they start making shots, uh, they become a tough team to beat. And to round it off, at number 10 in Division I basketball in Southwest Ohio is Lebanon. All right, now <clears throat> we're going to jump into Division Two. Division Two in the uh, Southwest Ohio area. At number one is Taft, and um, I tell you, Taft was so fun to watch last year, and they they always have talent. And um, coach gets them to play so hard. He does a great job with them. And if, if you can get kids with that much talent to consistently play hard, you'll be successful. In, and he, he's done so thus far. Um, and number two is Hughes. And number three is Woodward. Uh, Woodward has a new coach, Jarrell Redden. Uh, Jarrell, uh, uh, I mean, I'm telling you what, this kid is a, I call him a kid because I've known Jarrell since he was 16 years old. And now he's the head coach of Woodward High School, which makes me feel like I'm getting older. I don't feel old, Will, but things like hearing things like this make me feel older. You don't have anything to respond to that Not, way? I don't have much to say to that. <sighs> I understand. I expected you to go, man, you look so young. And No, nothing? You look young. There you go. Thanks, Will. You, that, was, <laughs> that was forced. You didn't even mean that. So Woodward has the most – let me say this. Woodward has the best athlete in the Cincinnati area. This kid on the football is a stud on the football field, and he's a stud on the basketball court. And and here's the thing, Jarrell, Jarrell, Jarrell's biggest issue, Coach Redding, is he has a tremendous amount of of talent. Uh, he's got. Uh, one of his guards, um, Cooper, he's definitely a talent. But like I was saying, Terry Durham is the kid I'm talking about. Terry Durham on the court, off the court, um, football field, doesn't matter where he is. He is a tremendous athlete. What year is Six, he? He's a senior, 6'5", 215. I'm not sure where he's going for uh, college yet. I haven't heard. But, man, he's one of the most talented kids, athletic kids in Cincinnati. Uh, coming in number four is McNick. Now, I watched McNick the other night. They played Baden. I'm going to tell you about McNick. McNick is led by Ryan Reedy. Senior Ryan Reedy. You know Ryan. Yeah, I know Ryan. Great kid. Yeah. Great family. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the thing about Ryan is, and I, and, and I wish more coaches would do this, and some do. At an early age, when Ryan was young, they threw him to the fire at the varsity level. And they let him make mistakes. And they let him struggle. But they knew the end result, Ryan Reedy as a senior point guard, would pay off. Paying off. And McNick is one of the hottest teams in the city. They're playing great basketball. And a large part of that is due to Ryan Reedy. And also, they start along with Ryan, they start three other seniors, so they have four seniors starting along with the sophomore. But those four seniors have been playing together for a long time. And anytime you have that type of continuity, 
It's like you've got four guys who've been playing together for a long time that all get along, so they're gonna they're willing to make that extra pass. So there's this old thing in basketball, and that is, don't look for the good shot, look for the great shot, and that's what McNick does because they all trust each other. It's like I got a good shot, but there's a great shot, and a lot of teams don't get that. And I think that's one of the reasons that McNick is so successful. And hats off to uh, Coach Monahan for, um, you know, he's a large part of that happening as a coach. Now, coming in at number five is Indian Hill High School, led by Colin Shaw. Uh, I'm just going to say this. I don't know the history of Indian Hill sports, but I don't think I've ever heard of or can remember, and I'm sure – I'll get some sort of tweet or somebody to say something. Colin Shaw, who's a senior, will go down as the greatest athlete in the history of Indian Hill High School. And if somebody can find me someone else to argue this point, I would love to hear that. Colin Shaw, stud on the football field, um, stud on the basketball court, 1,000-plus point career scorer on the basketball court. He's the heart and soul of this basketball team in Indian Hill. Uh, one of the better scores, definitely in Division II basketball and in the Cincinnati area. So a lot of their success for Indian Hill depends on how Colin Shaw plays. <clears throat> I want to know, is there a better athlete to ever come through Indian Hill than Colin Shaw? <coughs> that might be part of your research project. That sound good? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I, watched, uh, I went to the Indian Hill Anderson game last year. Did you? It was last year. Though. Did you see Colin Shaw? Yeah, but my boy Drew locked him down last year. Hucks locked him down? Oh, locked him down. Wow. Did, did Anderson win? They lost, but I don't remember him having many points at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, he's, he's a hell of a scorer. All right. Coming in number six in Division Two is Summit Country Day. And Summit Country Day always, always plays a great brand, band of, uh, brand of basketball. Um, one of the top teams in the NBC Conference. Always making a run in the tournament. Led by Xavier Johnson this year. Uh, coming in number seven is Wyoming High School. Joey Edmonds, the point guard, uh, is the leader of this team. Coach Edmonds, his father, uh, does a great job. So uh, Wyoming has a really big game uh, this week versus Indian Hill. Uh, Aiken High School coming in at number eight. Roger Bacon High School, my high school, coming in at number nine. Roger Bacon's a little bit down this year. Coach Neal, Brian Neal, does, I mean, an excellent job. And he's been so good for so long at Roger Bacon. It was just a matter of time before they had a season where they struggled a little bit, and this is that season. So I'm tell you what, these teams out here better take advantage of that now. They better get their licks on Roger Bacon because Coach Neal is going to get that thing turned around. Number 10 for Division 2 is Fenwick. All right, now, moving on to Division 3. You ready? I don't know how much you know about Division 3 basketball, because <laughs> you're going to learn today. All right, Division 3 basketball, number one is Deer Park. Deer Park has a tremendous amount of talent, Will. They might have the most talent of, you know, Anybody, just pure basketball talent of anybody in the city. A lot of talent. Head coach Steve Gentry, he used to be, a, he was a former Xavier point guard. And so Steve Gentry leading that charge right now. Purcell Marion coming in at number two, led by Steve Kerr, the head coach. Steve Kerr does a great job, man. Talk about a smart dude. I've had, I've known Steve Kerr, Coach Kerr for a long time. Um, Scott Kerr, I keep with Steve Kerr. Sorry, Scott, Scott Kerr. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm thinking about the Golden State Warriors, uh, like he's coaching Golden State and Purcell. Scott Kerr, known Scott Kerr for a long time, very intelligent guy, 
um, does a great job there at Purcell Marion High School. They're number two. Number three, North College Hill, uh, Shannon Miner is their coach. I grew up playing basketball against Shannon Miner. He played at Northern Kentucky University. Very high energy dude. I'll tell you what, if the kids on the court had as much energy as their coach, they'd win every game. Shannon Miner has energy. Coming in at number four, Madeira High School, uh, Jack Kravac. You know Jack? I've heard the name. Big Jack Kravac, football star. He's headed to it, Purdue. Yeah. Uh, to play football. Now, Jack Ravac recently just scored his thousandth point uh, on, ba on the basketball court, which is, I think, in this day and age, it's pretty unique when you have a big guy who doesn't have the ball in his hands coming up and down the court to score a thousand point um, means a lot because the point guards have to throw him the ball and he has to go score. And I don't know how much high school basketball you watch like I do, but point guards and guards just don't throw the ball to the post as much and as well as they used yeah. to. So you don't see as many thousand point uh, big men scores. And uh, hats off to Jack Kravac for that. Um, number five is Reading High School. Uh, number six, Cincinnati Country Day. Cincinnati Country Day is having a, a very good season. Uh, number uh, seven, uh, Cincinnati Christian, another team is having a surprising season. They're doing very well. Number eight, Marymount High School. Marymount's led by Charlie Tripp. And uh, Marymount's not big, doesn't have a lot of size. I watched them early in the year. They played Seven Hills High School. And Charlie Tripp really has to be aggressive offensively, and he has to shoot a very high percentage for Marymount to beat some of the better teams in the area. At number nine, Williamsburg. I've never, I'll be honest, I've never seen Williamsburg play, so I don't have any commentary. Number 10 is Georgetown. And uh, then uh, tied for 10, too, is Middletown Madison. That's Division uh, Three for you there. Um, you know, uh, there's some big games, and one thing I want to jump to real quick, and I'll end it here with high school basketball. There's some big games coming up this week, and when I do this podcast again, um, when we do the Basketball Insider podcast specifically, I want to talk a little bit more about the conferences, the leagues, and, and where people stand. Uh, there's some big games. Deer Park, who's number one in the CHL, <laughs> plays Indian Hill. Uh, who's number two. Um, so that's both teams undefeated in the league. So that's going to be a, a big-time matchup. Um, also in the ECC, and I want you to comment, uh, give me your commentary on this, in the ECC league, Anderson and Turpin, the big backyard rivalry here in Anderson Township, where we are right now recording this, they play this Friday. Are you going? Yeah, I'm for sure going to that one. Are you going to yeah. be in the student section, shirt off, painted chest? Oh, yeah, you'll see me. I'm not going to the game, but you're not going to it. No, oh, you're going to the you going to a game this Friday. I am yet okay. to be determined. Okay. okay, I can't say yet. Well, Anderson Turpin's always a crazy rivalry. What's the theme? I haven't heard yet. I've not heard the theme yet. You should be in charge of uh, charge of coming up with the theme. I my friends do it. I have a couple of friends that run it, but they'll let me know and figure it out. So you're gonna be shirt off, uh, chest painted, everything, wearing like. Uh, one of those like head tribal heads. tribal heads. Yeah. Yep. I could see you doing it, but yeah. but I, you have to be in the front row. I, I'm always in the front. I'll get that for sure. I don't expect. Will Sultan is not a <laughs> second, third, or fourth row guy. Kind of. You guy. a front row guy. <laughs> Would you agree? I'd agree to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'll be a not the. No, they're not like amazing teams, but it'll just it's a good rivalry. I, and that's a great. Actually, that's a very good point. And, you know, Anderson has struggled yeah. this year. Uh, Turpin has struggled. Yeah. Turpin has a new coach in Josh yeah. Slonim, who I've known 
for a long Jarrell Redden's a new head coach of Woodward. I've known him since he was 16. I've known Josh Sloanum, the new head coach of Turpin, since he was 15 years yeah. old. So great to see these guys, these young guys that I've known that have come up. And uh, t Josh, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> Josh went to Turpin High School. It's great to see him coaching. They've struggled this year. Yeah. But he has some young talent. Man, that he's gonna. I tell you what, I think in a couple they have a, they have years, a freshman starting. They do, Jackson Holt. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you what, in a couple years, people are gonna be talking about Turpin High School basketball and the job Josh Sloan's doing. He's got some great young talent. But like you said, when Turpin and Anderson play, I don't care if it's everything goes out football, the window. It goes out the window. Yeah. It's just a great robbery. Yeah. Everyone in the township's there. Yeah. Uh, Will Sultan's in the front row. Who, by the way, Will told me before the podcast that he was better looking than Justin Bieber. Did you not say that? It didn't go quite like that, but... But, you, but at the end of the day, did you say yeah, that? Okay. Yeah, I said that. Maybe what we need to do is post a picture of you... Side by side. ...and then a picture of Bieber and let the people vote. That's fair. I don't have a vote. I'll, I'll put it up. You think you will win? Well, that's kind of me versus celebrity, that's tough. You gotta, you gotta look and you gotta go, he's not a celebrity. Justin Bieber, you got to throw that out the window, the celebrity part. All right, so <laughs> moving along to the GCL. <laughs> I just want to talk about the GCL real quick. St. X and Moeller um, play each other. You talk about another game where you just kind of throw everything yeah. out the window, like Anderson Turpin with St. X and Moeller. I think the game's at Moeller. Uh, like I said, St. X is a sleeper. St. X gets hot. Chase Wolf starts throwing some great passes and dancing, and, you know, next thing you know, it's a close game. And one thing with the GCL game, it's almost like a, a, a one of the old school Big Ten football games. It's a grinded out game. It's not high scoring, a lot of half court sets. You know, each coach trying to outsmart each other with great plays. That's what you're going to get. It's going to be packed in there. Both student sections making fun of each other and talking about, you know, the kid on the, you know, the one kid's on the free throw line and they're making fun of whoever he goes out with or whoever he dates and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you, probably, For sure. you probably will do that against Turpin uh, on Friday, right? Yeah. I know. I, I tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. And I shouldn't tell the story, but I won't, I won't tell the people involved. So, uh, Moeller and St. X were playing each other. This might have been eight years ago, and I was at the game, and a kid from St. X was on the free throw line, and the Moeller student section is behind the basket, both baskets. Yeah. But So the St. X kids was shooting a free throw, and the kids shooting the free throw, they had a complete, some, some students snuck in <laughs> a cardboard cutout of the girlfriend that just dumped the kid at the free throw line. So his girlfriend dumped him like right before the game. And somebody printed out a cutout awesome. of his girlfriend and held it up while he was shooting a free throw. <laughs> That's great. And I was like, who's the girl? And, and somebody was like, uh, yeah, he just got dumped. And I was like, that's, that's research. That's awesome. And that's, that, is, that is execution. Yeah, I and love it's, that. And it's me. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> You need to do your research on Turpin. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then in the GMC, big game tomorrow night, Tuesday. Princeton, number one team in the city, travels to Mason. That's going to be a great basketball game. And you talk about two totally different styles. Princeton's a little more up, upbeat. Um, they like to get down the court, dunk it on you. Mason's going to be very deliberate running their stuff. That's going to be a great game. Uh, also some big games. The MVC conference, 
Um, in the Scarlet Division, Summit, who's always one of the best teams in the NBC, will take on Seven Hills from the Gray Division. Uh, they play each other. I believe the game is at Summit, so two of the top teams in the NBC League. So we'll have to revisit where teams are out at at that point. Now, I want to jump into our final topic. We're covering a lot of basketball here, okay? You haven't, yeah. coughed, you haven't coughed in a while. I've been trying not to. I'm proud of you. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about the NBA. And, and you can't talk NBA without talking big baller brand. Exactly. And we're going to get to that. But in order to talk about big baller brand, we have to talk about who is going to be the rookie of the year. Now, I made a prediction at the beginning of the year that Lonzo Ball would win rookie of the year. And here's why I predicted that. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I think I was going to be right and then why I'm wrong. I looked at it from a standpoint that here's a kid of all the rookies that come in that could come in and, and be the closest to averaging a triple-double. Now, the kid doesn't look to be a 20-point score a game. But if he can average 10 to 13, come in and get 10 assists a game, and a kid can, I don't care what you say about him, he can flat-out rebound the basketball. So <clears throat> I'm looking at it, if he does the rebounding and assist at a high, high level, and he just gives you 10 to 13 points, you're talking about a kid that's close to averaging a triple-double as a rookie. I'm thinking to myself, that's rookie of the year, right? That makes sense. However, he's, he's struggled offensively. Um, I don't think he's playing at the speed. Um, he, he slowed the ball down a lot. He Compared to what he did at UCLA, he gets the ball out of his hands too quickly sometimes. I think he's trying to get acclimated to the NBA game. It's going to take him a while. But with that being said, there's been some other um, players – in the NBA that have been worthy of the Rookie of the Year. And I'm going to mention somebody in a second here. Well, I'm going to let you jump through some statistics. I'm going to talk about a guy who many will say should be the Rookie of the Year, but I'm going to tell you he should not count as the Rookie of the Year. And that's Ben Simmons. Why shouldn't he count? Ben Simmons, and this is my theory, and there are people that disagree a little. The majority of people will disagree with me. I know if Glenn was here, he would disagree. That is... Ben Simmons was hurt last year, so he didn't play. But he's in the NBA system. He takes advantage of their weight training, their nutritionists, their coaching. He learns their system. He is there for an entire season and an entire offseason. So you've got a kid like Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Lonzo Ball, Lowry from the Bulls. So you've got all these guys who only get an offseason. Yeah. And then they're right into the game. Now you've got a guy who's had a season and an offseason. I can agree with that. He's with the players, too. He learns yes. from them. Yes. I don't, yeah. I don't think. Now, I don't want to take away from a, a great season. I am pro Ben Simmons. I'm, I, I was screaming Ben Simmons is going to be a great NBA player when everyone else said he was a bust. But it's not a true rookie. I don't think he's a true rookie. Yeah. You agree or disagree? I agree with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, no problem. Let's go through some statistics, Will. All right, what do you want to start with, Ben Simmons? What's Ben Simmons doing? Uh, 16.9 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, and 7.4 assists. That's, he's, that's he's, solid. He'd be the closest to a triple-double. That's solid. All right, who's next? Give me somebody. Jason Tatum. Tatum. 13.9 points per game, 5.5 yep. Rebounds and 1.3 assists. Now, I tell you what, he's been impressive because he's playing on a pretty good, I don't think a very a good, good team. Celtics team, but a, a, a really good so Celtics he's team. playing his role. 
he's playing his role, and he's still putting up good yeah. numbers. I don't think – I don't know if he's rookie of the year, but that's some people's pick. Yeah. The next one we got? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Surprise. The most points per game of all the rookies with 18.5. Yep. 3.3 rebounds and 3.4 assists. <clears throat> yep. It's impressive with his, with his point production. He's obviously come on, and people didn't really um, – I don't think he was in anybody's rookie of the year preseason nope. pick, right? Okay. Who else do we have? They got Lowry Markinen. Lowry. <laughs> he got 15, 7, and 1. Now, <clears throat> I went – so earlier in the year, I can't remember what month it was. All these months blend together after a while, uh, Will. I went to the Bulls game. Thanks to – Lowry, he got me um, passes and all that stuff, so I got to hang out with him after the game. He didn't play. It was against the Pacers, and I'm a Bulls fan, right? So um, he didn't play particularly well that game. Matter of fact, game-winning shot, like time running out with like one second, they passed to him. If he'd hit the three, the Bulls win. He missed the shot. But he's had, I think, a very good season. I mean, 15-7 and seven is nothing to, you know, Compared to the other numbers, I mean, other numbers are good, but that, that's that's right there with the other numbers. But he, I think he's had a season that some people didn't pick he would do that well. Some people thought he was going to be a little soft, but Duke can play, man. He's a big kid, and I tell you, he's going to be a force here next couple of years. I don't think he's rookie of the year. I think he'll be a definitely a force. And then, and then you got the two Lakers players, Kuzma and Ball. Kuzma is 17, 6, and 2. Kuzma has been the surprise. Yeah, big surprise. Of all the rookies. Um, now, I might be a little bit biased in this situation because I'm a, I'm a new, I'm a born-again Lakers fan. I was a Lakers fan when Magic played, and then I transferred to the Bulls, and Michael came about, and I became a Bulls fan. I'm still a Bulls fan. But I'm back on... The, the Lakers bandwagon. I admit it. When Magic Johnson came back, I said, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I love Magic Johnson. When he came back as um, uh, general manager, I'm in. I'm in with the Lakers. Um, so watching them as much as I do, Kuzma has been, I think, the rookie of the year thus far. And part of that, too, is it's a surprise. People did like Donovan Mitchell. I don't think people expected that. But I, I, that Kuzma's my vote right now. Who's the last one we have here? Ball. Big baller brand, baby. What are his numbers? 10-7-7. Seven, seven. Pretty consistent. Those are consistent numbers, man. Yeah. Those are consistent numbers. If you go back and look when, when Magic Johnson was a rookie, Magic Johnson, who a lot of people consider one of the best point guards of all time, right? Yeah. He didn't lead the Lakers in assist his rookie year. He didn't. Jason Kidd, um, and I can name other great guards, didn't have the numbers that Lonzo has right now. So there's a lot of criticism towards Lonzo that I think partly is undeserved. Um, I get that the pressure's on him. The microscope is on him because of LeVar. Yeah. Right? I still think... Those are solid numbers. Maybe not rookie of the year numbers. But here's the thing. The NBA is broken down into two seasons, Will. You've got before the All-Star game and after the All-Star yeah. game. If Lonzo comes on after the All-Star game. You can change it. And starts balling. 
Big baller brand stock starts going up. People are wearing that triple B t-shirt. He's getting triple doubles. Game changes. Now, even on a team that isn't winning many games? No, but here's the thing. When Lonzo got hurt and went down, Lakers went oh, were 0-6. Kuzma's production pfft, went down. Lonzo has an effect on that basketball yeah. team that people don't give him enough credit for. Now, I do think at the same time they've lost games as a result of Lonzo not being assertive enough, not being yeah. a point guard for 90% of the game, passing it up too early to Lopez or Larry Nance. Like, don't pass them the ball and let them run the show. Uh, so if I was to, to change my pick right now, I'm, I'm, you know, Lonzo, I don't know how he's going to do after the All-Star game, but um, Kuzma definitely, um, also uh, Tatum, depends on how he does. He's definitely a tremendous, tremendous talent for you, sure. You don't think they'll give it to Ben? Or you think they? I, I, I'm talking about me. Okay. Now, I, I think Ben Simmons is probably going to get it. Going to get it. Yeah. But I don't, that's, there's, there needs to be an asterisk. Kind of like those guys that are on steroids that have the uh, home run records. Yeah. You know, you've got steroids like, behind, you know, you got an yeah. asterisk behind that. I'm putting, not to say that Ben Simmons is on steroids, but. <laughs> First thing from him. He, he's got the advantage <laughs> in my, and, and, and if, you know what, next time we do our NFC podcast, we're going to talk with Glenn and he's going to argue that with me. He's going to go, oh. So we'll, we'll argue that one out. Who's your pick? Oh. I'm going to go with, I think it'll be Tatum. Okay. I want it to be Tatum. I think it'll be Simmons. Okay. But that's, yeah. Because, I mean, he's, he's on a good team. Yep. Celtics. Yep. Well, hey, this was a great podcast. I love talking about basketball. And on a normal No Further Comments podcast, we talk a lot of pop culture. We do dive into sports, but I don't think we get into basketball at this level. It's always great for me to uh, talk about basketball. Now, um, one thing I do want to say to you is our intro song and our outro song today is from Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane. The song... With a K. With a K. Big Daddy Kane with a K. The song is Young, Black, and Gifted. Okay? Now, do you know anything about Big Daddy Kane? <laughs> Not a thing. Do you know what Big Daddy Kane looks like? Big? <laughs> <laughs> I set myself up for that one. Um, Big wasn't necessarily Big in relation to his stature. 40-some years old. Um, he wasn't 40 when he rapped. Uh. Big Daddy Kane, Will, was uh, prior to... Okay, on my list, this is my list. Jay-Z's the greatest rapper of all time. That's not even a question. Don't at me. Jay-Z's the greatest rapper ever. Okay? Now... Prior to Jay-Z, I loved Big Daddy Kane. You couldn't tell me anybody was greater than Big Daddy Kane. I felt like Big Daddy Kane never had a bad verse. He never shot an air ball. He never had a turnover on the wreck. It was like perfection. He was smooth. He had the best haircut. He had, this, he had this high top fade, and he had parts in it. He had parts in his eyebrows. <laughs> it sounds like you got a man crush he had Big Daddy big, Kane. Just like you do. You watched Justin Bieber videos for 10 minutes. It was 10 you, minutes. Your face was so close to the computer screen. No. Yeah, I was, when I walked in the door, you were watching Bieber videos, right? 
I was looking. <laughs> okay, stop, don't, don't, don't stutter through it. Don't, 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 don't. Back to Big Daddy Kane. He had, this, <laughs> he had these gold chains on, and then he had these two dancers, Will. Scoop and Scrap Lover. Okay? Scoop and Scrap Lover. Say Lover. Lover. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> Say it again. Lover. No. Lover. Scoop and Scrap Lover. Scoop and Scrap Lover. Yes. I, I, you know what? You say it so poorly. So, so poorly. Not. So you, you take his two dancers. You take Big Daddy Kane, his outfits. That dude right there, iconic, iconic hip-hop figure. And Young Black and Gifted is one of my favorite songs of his, one of the great hip-hop beats. Jay-Z, later on, did a remake freestyle of that song. And that's one of my favorite Jay-Z verses. So, just so happens that my two favorite rappers had the same beat. See, that's big. You just looked it up on uh, Google there. That's Big Daddy. Click on that one right there. Tell me that guy in smooth right there. Look at that. He's Look at that right. high top fade. He's all right. Parts in the eyebrows. Look at that perfect fade. The gold chains. That doesn't make him a good rapper. But he was a good rapper. And I'm going to make you listen to him after this. I'm not listening to it. All right. Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> all right. As we leave this, will you say scoop and scrap love one more time? Scoop and scrap. L Lava. Thank you. All right. We appreciate everybody <laughs> listening to a special edition of No Further Commons special, podcast, special. the Basketball Insider edition. I'm your co-host, Alex Meacham. We have our intern, Will Sold. Will, thank you. Thank you. And you will be a Big Daddy Kane aficionado Daddy after Kane this. Not we happening. will be back on the week of January 15th with a new complete episode of the No Further Commons uh, podcast talking about, we'll talk a little Oprah and the Golden Globes. We'll talk Trump, Trump tweets. We'll talk about the uh, Alabama-Georgia game. We'll talk about everything pop culture. Uh, Will Smith's movie, Bright, on Netflix, everyone's talking about. Uh, Lil Wayne's god-awful mixtape, The Dedication <laughs> 6 or whatever that is. He needs to hang it up. Eminem's horrible album, Revival. Yeah. Jeez, they need to bury that one. Uh, I don't like it at oh, all. Oh, it's, 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 it's... I gave it a try. I listened to the whole thing, and I just couldn't find songs he, he, I like. That's... That's that's an air ball. That's shooting like that's like shooting three air ball free throws in a row. That's that album was uh, enough. I don't have any any more. Let let Big Daddy Kane come in and ride out. Thanks for listening to another episode. Another episode of No Further Promise Podcast, the Basketball Insider Edition.